that's a thought provocative video. And every single one of you who are tuning in right now can take a brave step. Maybe you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and you're in sync with him today. Continue to take brave steps. God will give you those opportunities. For those of you who may call yourself a Christian, but you know there's something more, you know there can be more intimacy, Take a brave step today. For those of you who have just stepped over the line of faith, continue to take brave steps. And for those of you who are checking out this Jesus thing, church thing, Christianity, I am confident that if you look to Christ, you can take a brave step today in following him. When we talk about brave steps, uh, I think of um, children, I think of grandchildren. We just recently got a video of one of our grandchildren who were taking their first steps and there was joy. I think of a man the other day when I was out on the running trail, he wasn't running like us. He wasn't walking like the walkers. Uh, you could see that he had had a stroke. And when I went by him, of course I'm judging that a little bit, but my discerning spirit kicked in and I just said to that gentleman, way to go, you're doing fantastic. And with his next step, you could see a smile on his face and for him it was a brave step step just being out there we're talking about uh, a guy a guy by the name of David a character in the Bible a personality in the Bible David who took brave steps we heard about that last weekend it was incredible he's a shepherd he's a king and when we were putting together something pre-easter when we were praying about that thinking about that we heard about another church that spoke about David and we're taking some of their material and using it and applying it to us today. Last week, if you didn't hear that message by Shay, can I encourage you to just go to grumlaw.com messages and maybe you heard that message and you need to hear it again. Uh, just plug into that and it will set your life up of being encouraged by God and trusting in God in a fresh way. Today, we are going to see that the ways of God are most unappealing and seemingly irrelevant when we are angry, feel isolated, lonely, and or afraid. Those three conditions that I just outlined, fear, anger, isolation, in other words, loneliness, have the power to undermine the resolve of even the most dedicated, devoted, and disciplined among us. Those three conditions can crash through and put a crack in our moral and ethical boundaries. Those three conditions that we can even call giants, those giants, if we let them get to that level, can contribute to our greatest regrets. And if we don't have a handle on them in the future, they can be part of future regrets. We feel compelled at times when we feel locked in and boxed in to do something, anything, and it escalates to a point that isn't healthy. It's not wise. We rely on instinct, whatever comes naturally, uh, what's ever worked before, even though we know this time it may not work. We make decisions that complicate our lives 
And the consequences are worse than the pain that's associated with the fear, with the loneliness, or feeling rejected. We, we do what comes naturally versus what we know could be the best. Let me illustrate it in this way. Uh, by the way, maybe you're sitting in your pajamas. Maybe you're in your living room. Maybe you're right now at your kitchen table. Maybe you're just getting out of bed and you popped us on. But right now, just do this for me. How many of you have ever gone skiing before? And, and some of you are going, I don't like skiing. Well, there, there's something about skiing that will illustrate what I was just talking about, and it's this. It's the fact that when, when you're skiing, you should always have your weight on your downhill ski, and you should be leaning forward. But what we have a tendency to do is, in fact, to put our weight on our uphill ski, lean into the mountain, and, and inevitably, we fall every single time. Well, David... David, who we're talking about, we can learn f some lessons from him here because he was a legend. He was married to the king's daughter. He, one of his best friends was Jonathan, the king's son. He was a folk hero. And Saul, the king, initially brought him on because he saw that he brought value to the military. He had slain this giant, which we heard about last week. I mean, he was the guy, he was the dude, but the attention began to be drawn more towards David than Saul. And Saul was absolutely intimidated by this. He was jealous, he was insecure. At one point, he literally threw a spear at David to try to kill him. Now, because of this conflict, David could sense it. He stopped attending like the family dinners. And Saul knew that, and Saul starts asking questions. The king does. Where's David? How come he's not showing up? And Jonathan sees that there's a conflict going here, and he covers for David because they were like best buds. And Saul absolutely seethes. It's like, I mean, he's getting, have you ever been around a person before that when they're getting angry, you don't want to be around them? Some of you are going, uh, uh, right now, it's the guy who I live, the guy I live with right now. Look what happens in 1 Samuel 20, verse 30. It says this, Saul's anger, I mean, it's like his nostrils are flaring. It's like a bull. It's just, flared up at Jonathan and said to him, you son of a perverse and re rebellious woman. Do you know what that's actually saying? Right here, he's calling his wife a whore. By the way, these are probably the kind of scriptures that should be edited from children's Bibles. Or, all right. You son of a perverse and rebellious woman, don't I know that you have sided with the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother who bore you? Right now, this wife is not going to win the popularity contest. As long as the son of Jesse lives on this earth, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. Now send someone to bring to him to me, for he must die. Whoo! 
at, at this point right here, Jonathan knows that there is a problem, and he goes and warns David, and David literally heads to the hills. And David's feeling alone. David's feeling afraid for his life. David's feeling rejected. David's feeling isolated. David is angry with what's going on, and David is afraid. And guess what? He panics, and he goes into survival mode. 1 Samuel 21.1 says this, David went to Nob, to Ahimelech, the priest. That's important to know about the priest. We'll talk about that a little later. Ahimelech trembled when he met him and asked, why are you alone? Why is no one with you? He's asking this question. Wait a second. You're a hero. You slayed a giant. You are the man. When you were 15 years old, you did something nobody else did. You caused an, an entire army to run away. What are you doing here right now? Why is no one with you? What was he doing? He was taking matters into his own hands. He was afraid. He felt rejected. He was feeling alone. He lied. He literally lied. He could have literally, because of the priest, remember I made the reference to the priest? He could have literally gone to the Ark of the Covenant where the Ten Commandments were. And it says don't lie, and he lies. And Why do people lie? Because they're afraid, and being afraid alienates. Would you say that with me right now, wherever you're at? Wherever you're at and listening to this right now, would you say that? Being afraid alienates. One more time, being afraid alienates. The story continues. David answered Ahimelech, the priest, the king sent me on a mission and said to me, no one is to know anything about the mission. Lie. I am sending you on. Lie. As for my men, I have told them to meet me at a certain place. Lie. There were no men. David didn't feel that Ahimelech could help him. And because of this decision, we'll learn later that this cost Ahimelech and a lot of families their lives. And if that isn't enough, the story goes on and it says, Now then, David, because he's lonely, because he's tired, Ahimelech is literally looking at him and going like this. You do not look like a warrior. You look like you've been sleeping in places that I didn't think you slept in. Why are you alone? He's hungry. He says, give me five loaves of bread or whatever you can find. But the priest answered David, I don't have any ordinary bread at hand. However, there is some consecrated special bread here, provided the men have kept themselves from the women. What was being said here was the priest would always, on the Sabbath, bring a fresh loaf of bread in honor of God. It was the custom. When they came in the next day and the bread had not been eaten, God hadn't eaten it, the priest would eat the bread and they would put down a fresh loaf of bread. What's the issue here? David began to lean on his own ingenuity. Do you ever do that? 
He forgot God has the power to arrange and sustain. At 22 to 23 years of age, he's forgetting about who God was at 15. When he was somebody that was obscure, maybe himself in some ways insecure, that God had taken a nobody and made him a somebody. He took a shepherd, making him into a king. And he felt that his deceit was needed to keep his power and his position. And look at what happens. So the priest gave him the consecrated bread, since there was no bread there except the bread of the presence that had been removed from before the Lord and replaced by hot bread on the, way, on the day it was taken away. He was lonely, he was hungry, and he lied. Can you relate to this in some ways? When you feel under pressure? Where, though, was this David that said, when he slayed a giant, in you I put my trust. My, my, my hope, my trust is in you all day long. And believe it or not, the, the lies and the deception and the, see, the deceit and taking it on our own, it didn't end there. The story goes on to say, David asked Ahimelech, don't you have a spear or a sword here? I haven't brought my sword or any other weapon because the king's mission was urgent. Lie again. The priest replied, the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, is here. Do you think at this point maybe he would begin to have some flashbacks? What happened to the courageous, God-fearing shepherd boy? The one who felt the empowerment of God was being guided by God. Let's go back to that story to an incredible reference where it says, all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's. Why do we take things into our own hands? And God said, and he will give all of you into our hands. God can take care of the situation. What happened to the attitude in David to run towards the situation rather than run away from the situation? I mean, we're living this today with COVID. Look at the anger that there is on social media. Look at the anger there is among political parties. Look at the anger that there is in families today where family members are being pitted against family members. COVID has brought a sense of isolation and loneliness. There's those who, not on their own accord, have been put into isolation, and then others, by choice, are living lonely lives. And the fear factor right now is unbelievable. This past week, my wife and I were uh, able to go out and see some friends in Arizona, and we had a great time kayaking and hiking and just being together and yucking it up. And I went into a Walgreens uh, to get some pop 
to get my fix, to get my diet Mountain Dew. And um, I literally came around a corner and I was at least uh, 20 to 30 yards away from the checkout. And I noticed that a young lady was looking at me. And as she's looking at me, I'm going, hey, that girl's staring at me. And believe it or not, I'm thinking, hey, is that girl staring at me? I'm quite the, st and I'm going, no, no, no. You're obviously in a fantasy world right now. And I, but I'm going, why is she looking at me? She's at checkout. I'm walking in. There's other people around. And as I'm getting closer, she just starts pointing like this at me. And I literally looked and I said, is some of my pop leaking? And she went, and I looked down and the social distancing circle, I was literally maybe two inches off of it. And she I'm thinking, oh my word, is that how you're living your life in fear? But that's what happens. Fear, anger, loneliness. David slayed a giant, and yet he let three giants, three conditions enter his world. Why is it so easy to forget the defeated giants and so David's presented that there's a sword available and the story continues and says it's wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod now the ephod was literally the garment that the priest would wear when he went into the temple so in other words the sword that God allowed, God the priest allowed you to use to kill a giant. It's available. If you want it, take it. There is no sword here but that one. David said, there is none like it. Give it to me right now. Right there, he was taking matters into his own hands. And to the day he died, he had to regret this. He lied. He now had a weapon that had been used for God's purposes that now was not going to be used for God's purposes. And there was going to be a disastrous outcome. Let me make a couple observations here to help us in this process. When we need God the most, we're apt to lean in least. Let me say that again. When we need God most, we're apt to lean in least, particularly if we're lonely, if we're frightened, if we're angry. We run away rather than running towards. We opt for things that never worked before. Going back to the skiing analogy, years ago, I was taking on a regular basis, on a weekly basis, I was literally taking uh, students skiing. And there was one girl that wanted to go skiing, and her parents always said, no, 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 if she goes, she'll break a leg, she'll break a leg. And we said, she's not going to break a leg, we're going to give her lessons, and everything will be fine. And I want to tell you, Deb was doing an incredible job. We, we, we taught her what to do. We taught her how to do the snow plow. We taught her how to break. We, we taught her everything that she 
could do. And then she just wanted to go and ski on her own. And she's skiing on her own, and guess what? She went back to what came naturally, went through a snow fence, and broke her leg. One of the more difficult phone calls I've ever had to make to parents who didn't want her to go because she was going to break her leg and she broke her leg. Sometimes when we lean in least and we run away rather than run to, we opt for things that often lead to regret. Isn't it interesting that when others are not responding properly, when others are in that condition of loneliness or anger or fear. We can see it so clearly in others, but it's difficult to see in the mirror. We say to people, why are they spending money that way? Why are they in that relationship? Why are they sabotaging themselves in this way? And sometimes we do the same thing and people say that about us. Why? Because we say, our situation is different. And if God were with me, this wouldn't be happening to me. There's a phrase I want to put up right now that says, it's easy to trust God when we have nothing to trust him with and nothing to trust him for. In other words, life is going really well. But it's harder to trust him when something of value starts slipping away, a relationship. Maybe we get bad news medically. Maybe there's someone who passes away and we never anticipated the timing of that. Or another way to say it's harder to trust him when something of value starts slipping away when maybe we've put our trust in our financial plan and our financial plan gets disrupted. It's harder to trust him when something of value starts slipping away, if it's power or influence or a relationship or a position. So David's got his sword, and believe it or not, he goes on the run again. So he's lied, he's been refreshed a little bit with food, and believe it or not, he goes to the Philistines, and he says he wants to be part of their army. And they do not trust him. And he went to an extreme that was unbelievable. He literally pretended, he faked that he was insane, started drooling and clawing at the wall. And he flees to a cave, finds a prophet, and he says, what would God have me to do? That'd be great. To say the story ends there. Mm. The report gets back to seething King Saul that David had gone and seen the, the priest. And seething Saul authorizes the slaughter of 85 priests, including Ahimelech. And if that's not enough, Saul says, go back into the town of Nob and kill all of the adults and all of the children. And look what David says. Then David said to Abathar, that day when Doeg the Edomite was there, I knew he would be sure to tell Saul, wow, 
I am responsible for the death of your whole family. Wow. What can we learn from this? Taking matters into our own hands feels good. It just rarely turns out good. So let me ask you a question. I mean, don't think about anybody else. And maybe your condition right now isn't loneliness, fear, or anger. But in light of what we're going through in culture today, I believe that one of those conditions are impacting all of us. And so I want to ask this question. What is your loneliness, anger, or fear causing you to consider that you've never considered before? Because you're isolated, because you're doing it on your own, because you're angry, because you're fearful, what is that causing you to consider that you've never considered before? And if you were to be honest, you would say, I can't believe I'm even thinking this. Don't go there. Let me ask another question. Who is your loneliness, anger, or fear causing you to consider that you know you shouldn't consider? Who are you running to that is not giving you the advice that you should be given? Who is it that you're hanging out more and you're developing a relationship with and you know that would not be the wisest? Let me ask another question. Who besides you do your considerations put at risk? Ooh. Who besides you do your considerations put at risk? David didn't think about that when he ran, when he was in a cave wondering what was going to be going on. With what you're considering right now, does it impact your husband, your wife, your children, your grandchildren, those that you work with? One more question. One more question. What advice would you give somebody who is you? Well, David did come to his senses. And here's what David said in Psalms. And if you want to learn more about the life of David, and by the way, everything that I've detailed in this story, you can find it in 1 Samuel 21 and 22. But referencing right now, Psalm 9, 9 through 10, David came around and he said, the Lord is a refuge. In other words, he is a shelter. He is a fort for the oppressed, for those who are lonely, for those who are angry, for those who are fearful. He is a 
stronghold. There's, there's, there's an institution, there's a structure out in Colorado called NORAD where highly sensitive uh, matters are taken care of for the military and anything that is floating in space. And I had the privilege one time of visiting NORAD and it's unbelievable the size of the doors and the protection. That's what it means when it says that our God is a stronghold in the times of trouble, when we're lonely, when we're fearful. This is David now who has come back around. And those who know your name, the name of Yahweh, the name of God, trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Are you running away? It's time to run too. When we do it on our own, the outcomes are normally a disaster. David thought that he had been forsaken, but he was mistaken. When you feel forsaken, you are mistaken. And don't make that mistake. David's greatest descendant, Name above all names, Jesus Christ says in Matthew 11, Come to me, all you who are weary, all you who are fearful, all you who are lonely and isolated yourself and burdened, and I will give you a rest, a peace that passeth all understanding. Take my yoke. Let me, a, a yoke is a harness that was used um, in farming to bring cattle together. He says, let me walk with you, upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle. I am humble in heart and you will find rest. The very pressure you're feeling in your anger, in your isolation, in your fear, you can take a step today, a brave step, and find rest at the deepest level of who you are, your souls. For my yoke, it's not heavy. You don't have to carry this alone. And my burden my burden is not burdensome, it's light. Will you take a step today, a brave step? Where do you need to be brave today? I remember years ago, rappelling, and rappelling is where literally you jump off cliffs. And you, you put a harness on, I'm not going to go all into all the technical terms, and you have a carabiner, and you take a rope that's put off um, on a secure point on top of the cliff, and you bring it through, and then you have a safety rope down below with a belayer, and there's some people that they just do it naturally, and when, when I was working with students, there would always be those that'd be the first in line, they immediately wanted to do it, there were some that needed some uh, coaxing and some encouragement to do it and then there were some people that said I'm never gonna do it and uh, I can't do it and this isn't for me and it's one of my greatest joys in ministry particularly in student ministry is to get someone hooked up that never thought that they could do it they were gonna do it their own way and 
all of a sudden we hooked them up and they're standing over the edge and there's finally that point where you have to push off and jump and you can see the fear in their face. You can see they've never done something like this before. And then finally they release and they start going down that cliff and you see the joy when you let go, when you take a brave step of not doing it your way and holding on and doing it God's way, you'll experience a freedom and a peace that passes all understanding. What giant do you need to kill? Is it anger? Do you need to have somebody in your life that gives you a code word when you're starting to stick your nostrils out and everybody sees it and you may realize it, but... Maybe that's the giant you need to kill. For some of you who are lonely right now and isolated, how can you engage? Get involved with a life group online. Reach out to some other people in whatever your comfort zone is. Get together with some people. And then fear. Fear. Perfect love casts out Fear and knowing Jesus Christ will bring you peace. Not a burdensome attitude, but life in Christ.